Chapter 15 of The Riddle of the Universe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Riddle of the Universe by Ernst Tackle. Translated by Joseph McCabe. Chapter 15 God in the World. The Idea of God in General. Antithesis of God in the World. The Supernatural in Nature. Theism and Pantheism chief forms of theism polytheism tritheism empitheism monotheism religious statistics naturalistic monotheism solarism anthropistic monotheism the three great mediterranean religions mosaism christianity the cult of the madonna and the saints papal polytheism islam mixotheism nature of theism an extra mundane and anthropomorphic god a gaseous vertebrate pantheism intermundane god nature the hylozoism of the ionic monus anazimander conflict of poly pantheism and christianity spinoza modern monism atheism for thousands of years humanity has placed the last and supreme basis of all phenomena in an efficient cause to which it gives the title of god dios theos like all general ideas this notion of god has undergone a series of remarkable modifications and transformations in the course of the evolution of reason indeed it may be said that no other idea has had so many metamorphoses for no other idea affects in so high a degree the chief objects of the mind and of rational science as well as the deepest interests of the emotion and poetic fancy of the believer a comparative criticism of the many different forms of the idea of god would be extremely interesting and instructive but we have not space for it in the present work we must be content with a passing glance at the most important forms of the belief and their relation to the modern thought that has been evoked by a sound study of nature for further information on this interesting question the reader would do well to consult the distinguished work of adalbert svoboda forms of faith eighteen ninety seven when we pass over the finer shades and the variegated clothing of the god idea and confine our attention to its chief element we can distribute all the different presentations of it into two groups the theistic and pantheistic group the latter is closely connected with the monistic or rational view of things and the former is associated with dualism and mysticism one theism in this view god is distinct from and opposed to the world as its creator sustainer and ruler he is always conceived in a more or less human form as an organism which thinks and acts like a man only on a much higher scale this anthropomorphic god polyphyletically evolved by the different races assumes an infinity of shapes in their imagination from fetishism to the refined monotheistic religions of the present day the chief forms of theism are polytheism triplotheism amphitheism and monotheism the polytheist peoples the world with a variety of gods and goddesses which enter into its machinery more or less independently fetishism sees subordinate deities in the lifeless body of nature in rocks in water in the air in the human productions of every kind pictures statues etc demonism sees gods in the living organisms of every species trees animals and men this kind of polytheism is found in innumerable forms even in the lowest tribes it reaches the highest stage in hellenic polytheism in the myths of ancient greece which still furnish the finest images to the modern poet and artist at a much lower stage we have catholic polytheism in which innumerable saints many of them have very equivocal repute 
are venerated as subordinate divinities and prayed to to exert their mediation with the supreme divinity the dogma of the trinity which still compromises three of the chief articles of faith and the creed of christian peoples accumulates in the notion that the one god of christianity is really made up of three different persons one god the father the omnipotent creator of heaven and earth this untenable myth was refuted long ago by scientific cosmogony astronomy and geology two jesus christ and three the holy ghost a mystical being over whose incomprehensible relation to the father and the son millions of christian theologians have racked their brains in vain for the last nineteen hundred years the gospels which are the only clear sources of this triplotheism are very obscure as to the relation of the three persons to each other and do not give a satisfactory answer to the question of their unity on the other hand it must be carefully noted what confusion this obscure and mystic dogma of the trinity must necessarily cause in the minds of our children even in the earlier years of instruction one morning they learn in their religious instruction that three times one are one and the very next hour they are told in their arithmetic class that three times one are three i remember well the reflection that this confusion led me to in my early school days for the rest the trinity is not an original element in christianity like most other christian dogmas it has been borrowed from earlier religions out of the sun worship of the chaldean magi was evolved the trinity of Ilu, the mysterious source of the world its three manifestations were anu primeval chaos bel the architect of the world and ah heavenly light the all-enlightening wisdom in the brahmanic region the trimurti is also conceived as a divine unity made up of three persons brahma the creator vishnu the sustainer and shiva the destroyer it would seem in this and other ideas of a trinity the sacred number three as such as a symbolic number has counted for something the first three christian virtues faith hope and charity form a similar triad according to empithius the world is ruled by two different gods a good and an evil principle god and the devil they are engaged in a perpetual struggle like rival emperors or pope and antipope the condition of the world is a result of the conflict the loving god or good principle is the source of all that is good and beautiful of joy and of peace the world would be perfect if his work were not continually thwarted by the evil principle the devil this being the cause of all that is bad and hateful of contradiction and of pain empathism is undoubtedly the most rational of all the forms of belief in god and the one which is least incompatible with a scientific view of the world hence we find it elaborated in many ancient peoples thousands of years before christ in ancient india vishnu the preserver struggles with shiva the destroyer in ancient egypt the good osiris is opposed by the wicked typhon the early hebrews had a similar dualism of ashera or ketura the fertile mother earth and elion moluch or sethos the stern heavenly father and the zen religion of the ancient persians founded by the zoroaster two thousand years before christ there is a perpetual struggle between ormuzd the good god of light and ahiruman the wicked god of darkness in christian mythology the devil is scarcely less conspicuous as the adversary of the good deity the tempter and seducer the prince of hell and lord of darkness a personal devil was still an important element in the belief of most christians at the beginning of the nineteenth century towards the middle of the century he was gradually eliminated by being progressively explained away or he was restricted to a subordinate role he plays as mephipolis in goethe's great drama 
Today, the majority of educated people look upon belief in a personal devil as a medieval superstition, while belief in God, that is, the personal good and loving God, is retained as an indispensable element of religion. Yet the one belief is just as much, or as little, justified by the other. In any case, the much-lamented imperfection of our earthly life, the struggle for existence, and all that pertains to it, are explained much more simply and naturally by the struggle of a good and an evil God than by any other form of theism. The dogma of the unity of God may in some respects be regarded as the simplest and most natural type of theism. It is properly supposed to be the most widely accepted element of religion and to predominate in the ecclesial system of civilized countries. In reality, that is not the case, because alleged monotheism usually turns out on a closer inquiry to be one of the other forms of theism we have examined, a number of subordinate deities being generally introduced besides the supreme one. Most of the religions which took a purely monotheistic standpoint have become more or less polytheistic in the course of time. Modern statistics assure us that of 1,500,000,000 men who people the earth, the great majority are monotheists. Of these, nominally about 600 million are Brahma, Buddhists, 500 million are called Christians, 200 millions are heathens of various types, 180 millions are Mohammedans, 10 millions are Jews, and 10 millions have no religion at all. However, the vast majority of these nominal monotheists have a very confused ideas about the deity or believe in a number of gods and goddesses besides the chief god angels, devils, etc. The different forms which monotheism has assumed in the course of its polyphletic development have been distributed into two groups, those of naturalistic and anthropistic monotheism. Naturalistic monotheism finds the embodiment of the deity in some lofty and dominating natural phenomenon. The sun, the deity of light and warmth, on whose influence all organic life insensibly and directly depends, was taken to be such a phenomenon many thousand years ago. Sun worship, solarism, or heliotheism seem to be the modern scientists to be the best of all forms of theism, and the one which most easily reconciled with modern monism. For modern astrophysics and geogeny have taught us that the earth is a fragment detached from the sun and that it will eventually return to the bosom of its parent. Modern physiology teaches us that the first source of organic life on the earth is the formation of protoplasm, and that this synthesis of the simple inorganic substances, water, carbonic acid, and ammonia, only takes place under the influence of sunlight. On the primary of evolution of the plasmodinous plants followed secondarily that of the plasmophagous animals, which directly or indirectly depend on them for nourishment, and the origin of the human race itself is only a later stage in the development of the animal kingdom. Indeed, the whole of our bodily and mental life depends, in the last resort, like all other organic life, on the light and heat states of the sun. Hence, in the light of pure reason, sun worship as a form of naturalistic monotheism seems to have a much better foundation than that of the anthropistic worship of Christians and of other monotheists who conceive their god in human form. As a matter of fact, the sun worshippers attained, thousands of years ago, a higher intellectual and moral standard than most of the other theists. When I was in Bombay in 1881, I watched with the greatest sympathy the elevating rites of the pious Parsis, who, standing on the seashore or kneeling on their prayer rugs, offered their devotion to the sun as its rise and setting. 
Moon worship, lunarism, and selenotheism is of much less importance than sun worship. There are a few uncivilized races that have adored the moon as their only deity, but has generally been associated with the worship of the stars and of the sun. The humanization of God, or the idea that the supreme being feels, thinks, and acts like a man, though in a higher degree, has played a most important part as an anthropomorphic monotheism in the history of civilization. The most prominent in this respect are the three great religions of the Mediterranean peoples, the old Mosaic religion, the intermediate Christian religion, and the younger Mohammedism. These three great Mediterranean religions, all three arriving on the east coast of the most interesting of all seas and originating in an imaginative enthusiast of the semantic race, are intimately connected not only by this external circumstance of an analogous origin, but by many common features of their internal contents. Just as Christianity borrowed a good deal of its mythology directly from ancient Judaism, so Islam has inherited much from both of its predecessors. As the three were originally monotheistic, all three were subsequently overlaid with a great variety of polytheistic features in proportion as they extended first along the coast of the Mediterranean and its heterogeneous population and eventually into every part of the world. The Hebrew monotheism, as it was founded by Moses about 1600 BC, is usually regarded as the most ancient faith, which has been of great importance in the ethical and religious development of humanity. This high historical appreciation is certainly valid in the sense that the two other world-conquering Mediterranean religions issued from it. Christ was just as truly a pupil of Moses as Muhammad was afterwards of Christ. So also the New Testament, which has become the foundation of the belief of the highest civilized nations in the short space of 1900 years, rests on the venerable basis of the Old Testament. The Bible, which the two compose, had a great influence and wider circulation than any other book in the world. Even today, the Bible, in spite of its curious mingling of the best and worst elements, is in a certain sense the book of books. Yet when we make an impartial and unprejudiced study of this notable historical source, we find it very different in several important respects from the popular impression. Here again, the modern criticism and history have come to certain conclusions which destroy the prevalent tradition in its very foundations. The monotheism which Moses endeavored to establish in the worship of Jehovah, in which the prophets, the philosophers of the Hebrew race, afterwards developed with great success, had at first to sustain a long and severe struggle with the dominant polytheism which was in possession. Jehovah, or Yahweh, was originally derived from the heaven god, which under the title of Malok or Baal, was one of the most popular of the oriental deities, the Sethos or Typhon of the Egyptians, the Saturn or Kronos of the Greeks. There were, however, other gods in great favor with the Jewish people, and so in the struggle with idolatry continued. Still, Jehovah was, in principle, the only God explicitly claiming, and the first precept of the Decalogue, I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt have no other gods beside me. Christian monotheism shared the fate of its mother, Mosaism, with the generally only monotheistic in theory, while it degenerated practically into every kind of polytheism. In point of fact, monotheism was logically abandoned in the very dogma of the Trinity, which it was adopted as an indispensable foundation of the Christian religion. The three persons, which are distinguished as Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, are three distinct individuals and indeed anthropomorphic persons, just as truly as the three Indian deities of the Trimurta, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, 
and the trinity of the ancient hebrews anu bel and ah moreover in the more widely distinguished form of christianity the virgin mother of christ pray, plays an important part of a fourth deity in many catholic countries she is practically taken to be more powerful and influential than the three male persons of the celestial administration the cult of the madonna has been developed to such an extent in these countries that we may oppose it to the usual masculine form of monotheism as one of the feminine type the queen of heaven becomes so prominent as it is seen in many pictures and legends of the madonna that the three male persons practically disappear in addition the imagination of the pious christian soon came to increase the celestial administration by a numerous company of saints of all kinds and bands of musical angels who should see that eternal life should not prove too dull the popes the greatest charlatans that any religion ever produced have constantly studied to increase this band of celestial satellites by repeated canonizations this curious company received its most interesting acquisition in eighteen seventy when the vatican council pronounced the popes as the vicars of christ to be infallible and thusly raised them to a divine dignity when we add the personal devil that they acknowledge and the bad angels who form his court we have in modern catholicism still the most extensive brands of christianity a rich and variegated polytheism that dwarfs the olympic family of the greeks islam or the mohammedan monotheism is the youngest and purest form of monotheism when the young mohammed born five seventy learned to despise the polytheistic idolatry of his arabian compatriots and became acquainted with the nestorian christianity he adopted its chief doctrines in a general way but he could not bring himself to see anything more than a prophet in christ like moses he found in the dogma of the trinity what every emancipated thinker finds on an impartial reflection an absurd legend which is neither reconcilable with the first principles of reason nor of any value whatever for our religious advancement he justly regarded the worship of the immaculate mother of god as a piece of pure idolatry like the veneration of pictures and images the longer he reflected on it the more he strove after a purified idea of deity the clearer did the servitude certitude of his great maxim appear god is the only god there are no other gods beside him yet mohammed could not free himself from the anthropomorphism of the god idea his one only god was an idolized almighty man like the stern vindictive god of moses and like the gentle loving god of christ still we must admit the mohammedan religion has preserved the character of pure monotheism throughout the course of its historical development and its inevitation much more faithfully than the mosaic in christian religions we see that today even externally in its form of prayer and preaching and in the architecture and adornment of its mosques when i visited the east for the first time in eighteen seventy three and admired the noble mosque of cairo smyrna bursara and constantinople i was inspired with the feeling of real devotion by the simple and tasteful decorations of the interior and the lofty and beautiful architecture work of the exterior how noble and inspiring do these mosques appear in comparison with the majority of catholic churches which are covered internally with gaudy pictures and gilt and are outwardly disfigured by an immoderate crowd of human and animal figures not less elevated are the silent prayers and the simple devotion acts of the quran when compared with the loud unintelligible verbosity of the catholic mass and the blatant music of their theatrical positions under the title of mixotheism we may embrace all the forms of theistic belief which contain mixtures of religious notions of different sometimes contradictory kinds in theory this most widely diffused type of religion is not recognized at all 
in the concrete it is the most important and most notable of all the vast majority of men who have religious opinions have always been still are mixotheists their idea of god is picturesquely compounded with the impressions received in childhood from their own sect and a number of other impressions which are received later on from contact with members of other religions and from which modify the earlier notions in educated people there is also sometimes the modifying influence of philosophic studies in mature years and especially the unprejudiced study of natural phenomena which reveals the futility of the theistic idea the conflict of these contradictory impressions which is very painful to a sensitive soul and which often remains undecided throughout life clearly shows the immense power of the rarity of ancient myths on the one hand and the early adaptation to the erroneous dogmas on the other the particular faith in which the child has been brought up generally remains in power unless a conversion takes place subsequently owing to the stronger influence of some other religion but even in the supersession of one faith by another the new name like the old one proves to be merely an outward label covering a mixture of the most diverse opinions and errors the greater part of those who call themselves christians are not monotheists as they think but empitheists triplotheists or polytheists and the same must be said of islam and mosaism as well as other monotheistic religions everywhere we find associated with the original idea of a soul and true god later beliefs in a number of subordinate deities angels devils saints etc a picturesque assortment of the most diverse theistic forms all of the above forms of theism in the proper sense of the word whether the belief assumes a naturalistic or an anthropistic form represent god to be an extra mundane or supernatural being he is always opposed to the world or nature as an independent being generally as its creator sustainer and ruler in most religions he has the additional character of personality or to put it definitely still god as a person is likened to man in his gods man paints himself this anthropomorphic conception of god as one who thinks feels and acts like man prevails with the great majority of theists sometimes in a cruder and more naive form sometimes in a more refined and abstract degree in any case the form of theosophy which we have described is sure to affirm that god the supreme being is infinite in perfection and therefore far removed from the imperfection of humanity yet when we examine closely we always find the same psychic or mental activity in the two god feels thinks and acts as man does although it to be in an infinitely more perfect form the personal anthropism of god has become so natural to the majority of believers that they experience no shock when they find god personified in human form in pictures and statues and in the varied images of the poet in which god takes human form that is is changed into a vertebrate in some myths even god takes the form of other mammals an ape lion bull etc and more rarely of a bird eagle dove or stork and of some lower vertebrate serpent crocodile dragon etc in the higher and more abstract forms of religion this idea of bodily appearance is entirely abandoned and god is adored as a pure spirit without body god is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth nevertheless the psychic activity of this pure spirit remains just the same as the anthropomorphic god in reality even in this immaterial spirit is not conceived to be incorporeal but merely invisible gaseous we thus arrive at the paradoxical conception of god as a gaseous vertebrate two pantheism pantheism teaches that god and the world are one 
the idea of god is identical with that of nature or of substance this pantheistic view is sharply opposed in principle to all the systems we have described and to all possible forms of theism although there have been many attempts made from both sides to bridge over the deep chasm that separates the two there is always this fundamental contradiction between them that in theism god is opposed to nature as an extra mundane being as creating and sustaining the world and acting upon it from without while in pantheism god as an intramundane being is everywhere identical with nature itself and is operative within the world as force or energy the latter view alone is compatible with our supreme law the law of substance it follows necessarily that pantheism is the world system of the modern scientist there are it is true still a few men of science who contest this and think it possible to reconcile the old theistic theory of human nature with the pantheistic truth of the law of substance all these efforts rest on confusion or sophistry when they are honest as pantheism is a result of an advanced conception of nature in the civilized mind it is naturally much younger than theism the crudest forms of which are found in a great variety in the uncivilized races of ten thousand years ago we do indeed find the germs of pantheism in different religions at the very dawn of philosophy in the earliest civilized peoples in india egypt china and japan several thousand years before the time of christ still we do not meet a definite philosophical expression of it until the hylozoism of the ionic philosophers in the first half of the sixth century before christ all the great thinkers of this flourishing period of hellenic thought are surpassed by the famous anaximander of Miletus, who conceived the essential unity of the infinite universe Epirion, more profoundly and more clearly than his master thales or his pupil anaximenes only the great thought of the original unity of the cosmos and the development of all phenomena out of the all-pervading primitive matter found expression in anaximander but even he enunciated the bold thought of countless worlds in a periodic alternation of birth and death many other great philosophers of classical antiquity especially democritus heraclitus and empedocles had in the same or an analogous sense a profound conception of this unity of nature and god of body and spirit which has obtained its highest expression in the law of substance of our modern monism the famous roman poet and philosopher lucretus carus has presented it in a highly poetic form in his poem de rerum natura however this true pantheistic monism was soon entirely displaced by the mystic dualism of plato and especially by the powerful influence which the idealistic philosophy obtained by its blending with christian dogmas when the papacy obtained it to its spiritual despotism over the world pantheism was hopelessly crushed Gidorano bruno its most gifted defender was burned alive by the vicar of christ in the campo de flora at rome on february seventeenth sixteen hundred it was not until the middle of the seventeenth century that pantheism was exhibited in its purest forms by the great baruch spinoza he gave for the totality of things a definition of substance in which god and the world are inseparably united the clearness confidence and consistency of spinoza's monistic system are more remarkable when we remember that this gifted thinker of two hundred and fifty years ago was without the support of all those sound empirical bases which have been obtained in the second half of the nineteenth century we have already spoken in the first chapter of spinoza's relation to the materialism of the eighteenth and monism of the nineteenth century the propagation of his views especially in germany is due above all to the immortal works of our greatest poet and thinker wolfgang Goethe. his splendid god and world 
and the world prometheus faust etc embody the great thoughts of pantheism in the most perfect poetic creations atheism affirms that there are no gods or goddesses assuming that god means a personal extramundane entity this godless world system substantially agrees with the monism or pantheism of the modern scientist it is only another expression for it emphasizing its negative aspect the non-existence of any supernatural deity in this sense Schopenhauer justly remarks pantheism is only a polite form of atheism the true pantheism lies in its destruction of the dualist antithesis of god and the world and its recognition that the world exists in virtue of its own inherent forces the maxim of the pantheist god and the world are one is merely a polite way of giving the lord god his conge during the whole of the middle ages under the bloody despotism of the popes atheism was persecuted with fire and sword as a most perniculous system as the godless man is plainly defined with the wicked in the gospel and is threatened simply on account of his want of faith with the eternal fires of hell it was very natural that every good christian should be anxious to avoid the suspicion of atheism unfortunately the idea still prevails very widely the atheistic scientist who devotes his strength and life to the search for truth is freely credited with all that is evil the theistic churchgoer who thoughtlessly follows the empty ceremonies of catholic worship is at once assumed to be a good citizen and his morality is deplorable this error will only be destroyed when in the twentieth century the prevalent superstition gives place to rational knowledge and to monistic conception of the unity of god and the world End of chapter fifteen